Hello and welcome back to Zach's Fact Check. This is your host, Zach. I'm so glad you're here with me. Today we're going to cover a lot of different things. Before we get into that, I wanted to say thank you for returning and listening and just keeping the show going. It has been amazing to watch as the show grows and everybody talks about it. People reaching out to me with their ideas. It, it, I have loved it. But I would like to hear more. I want to hear more of what you think we should be talking about. You know, I have done many episodes on random facts, which is how this, this show started. Here recently, I have been doing shows with about, honestly, a lot more involved stories because they have just been hitting one after the other after the other. And I can't really ignore them for just the sake of a happy-go-lucky episode of cool facts. That's what my gut says. Now, I want to hear from you guys, and you let me know what you want to hear about. I know some people, they just don't want politics. They don't care. It's not really in them. And that's fine. I haven't really focused on any one thing. I'm not focusing on politics. I'm not focusing on the economy. I'm not focusing on the celebrity new stories that I've done. I've covered several things in in recent weeks, but I want to hear from you guys. What do you think about these latest episodes? Just the direction that you want to go to be more informed about some of these things, or do you want to go back to the happy-go-lucky episodes? I still want to mix some of those in regardless. At the very least, they will, they will come back with more episodes like that with fun, uh, stories and cool little factoids that you didn't realize. I want to talk about those, but I need to hear from you guys to see if where I'm at right now is really what you want to hear, or do you want me to just abandon this altogether and go back to the other? Let me know what you think, and then share this podcast with your friends. Again, we're on Apple, Spotify, Google Player, Stitcher, Anchor.fm forward slash Zach's Fact Shack. That's where you can find the podcast episodes. That's where you can send your friends to find them. That's where they can reach out to me. Again, you can give voice messages through Anchor.fm. You can reach out to me on Twitter at Zach's Fact Shack. You can send a DM there. Just reach out to me. Let me know what you think, and I will respond. I, I may respond to you personally. I may respond to you with the next episode, but I want to hear what you have to say about where we're going. Okay, so first off, I got a couple of stories I wanted to cover today, and we're going to start out with a possible new law that is floating between both the House and the Senate. It just passed a Senate subcommittee and is going to the floor in the, during the summer. I'm not, it, no one knows if, exactly when that's going to come in. It's not been scheduled yet, but it has passed the Senate Judiciary Committee. Let me read from CNBC. The Senate Judiciary Committee voted 16 to 6 Thursday to advance a major tech competition bill, which some experts consider legislature's best shot at making substantial reform to laws that govern the industry. The American Innovation and Choice Online Act was passed in a bipartisan manner. The committee's House counterparts has advanced a similar bill, and the Senate action could spur a further move on that front. 
While the White House has not yet weighed in on whether it will support that particular legislation, it has generally supported efforts to increase competition, and President Joe Biden has installed progressive leaders at the antitrust agencies. The bill has significant implications for Amazon, Apple, and Google in particular. For example, Amazon could not simply decide to list its own private label products higher in its search ranking than third-party rivals' listings. The same principle would apply to results from Google in their general search engine. Several senators on both sides of the aisle lamented the relatively short time the bill took to for, uh, from introduction to markup and took issue with the fact that the legislation alone did not receive a full hearing before the Senate Judiciary Committee. Klobuchar shot back that she and Grassley had spoken with dozens of stakeholders about the legislation and discussed the bill in antitrust subcommittee hearings relevant to its contents. The bill's path approved by, excuse me, the bill's path to approval by the full Senate is still murky and relies on leadership making time for it among many other legislative priorities. Meanwhile, big tech platform, bleh, Meanwhile, big tech platforms are mounting massive lobbying and PR campaigns. For example, Cruz, who voted to advance the bill, said at Thursday's markup that he had a 40-minute phone call with Apple CEO Tim Cook to discuss the topic. Cruz said Cook raised the concern that the bill could make it harder for Apple to let consumers opt out of monitoring from apps. But Cruz said he doesn't interpret the bill that way and does not think it would have that effect. Apple declined to comment on the call. Axios also wrote that Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer intends to put the bipartisan tech uh, antitrust legislation up for a vote by early summer. A Democratic source familiar with the situation tells Axios. The bill would ban tech companies like Google, Apple, Amazon, and Meta from favoring their own services. Schumer also urged Klobuchar to release an edited version of her bill with input from bipartisan members of the Judiciary Committee soon so that members have time to review it before it's put up for a floor vote. Schumer also told Durbin and Klobuchar he fully supports the antitrust bill. Though the bill passed out of committee, a number of members said it needed changes before they'd commit to voting for it in the full Senate. Opponents of the bill say it would undermine national security, embolden China, and break encryption services and endanger tech services consumers enjoy. That was a lot. So basically, here's what we have and what's going on with this bill. Right now, if you go to Amazon and search for a product, you will receive many different results, as you should. But you'll almost always receive Amazon's choice which may not be the best option, but it's almost always the top option or pretty near to the top. And this is because it's Amazon fulfilling it. It's Amazon selling the product. They're going to make the most money if you purchase that. I personally have also seen where two items might say that they're both prime in their delivery and they should should arrive within two days. But if it's a third party that's selling, and has already agreed to the Prime membership deal where you get two-day shipping included with Prime, it might say that the package will arrive in two weeks, and then two days later you get the package. 
The reasoning being that if it makes it look like it's next to impossible for you to get your product, you're going to likely purchase from Amazon, which says it'll be there in two days, instead of someone who says that they'll be there in two weeks. The thing is, the third-party company has no say over what the estimated arrival is that Amazon's putting there. So they are automatically putting a third-party dealer at a disadvantage. Now, Amazon is a private company, and I think that they have a lot of leeway in what they should be allowed to do because of that. The thing is that with them doing that, there is no, there's not as much competition to lower prices, which right now, look at everything going up because of inflation. It, you want lower prices wherever you can possibly find them, but they're not happening. The argument being that Amazon is creating a monopoly that you you will likely want to use their product over someone else's product, even if the product itself is inferior, solely because it was listed first or closer to first than the third-party option. This bill would be fighting to stop that. It would also make it where Google, let's say that you search on Google for a free email service. Well, what is Google going to put up first? No matter how popular it is, they're going to put up first gmail.com, which is their own email platform. That's that's just what they're going to do. Why they would be kind of crazy not to without the government telling them not to. Like why would they put up outlook.com or yahoo.com? or I don't even know if AOL.com exists still, but AOL.com, why would they put those in front of their own money-making product of Gmail? That makes no sense. So their searches are biased to their own marketing, to their own products, as you would expect. This document, this bill, is attempting to remove that bias and making it less of a monopoly for consumers to be able to compete easier, to find the best product, not what Google says is the best product. Whether this bill will actually work, I don't know. I have I have often been skeptical of a lot of antitrust bills. Maybe Maybe that's odd and maybe I'm ignorant and that's fine. Again, I, I, I never claim to be the smartest person in the room. I just want to learn. So if you know information that can help me grow in this, at, by all means, reach out to me. Let me know. I want to know how I can change my opinion and I want the truth, right? And if I am not where the truth is, I want to be corrected so I can get to the truth. That's my goal. The bill as it stands does give me a little bit of pause. Uh, it, anytime we give power to the government, I kind of, I get the hibbity-jibbities, right? I'm like, nah, I don't know about that. I don't know if I like that idea. The government does serve a legitimate purpose and absolutely should be used for those purposes to protect consumer rights, to protect uh, free market where, where the market is able to operate freely, 
where no one company is able to dominate and uh, take over because of the favor of the government. But let's face it, if your product is just that good, why, why should you be punished because you made an incredible product? Now, if you are actively seeking to destroy the chance for another product to come into market, then we have a problem. And that's where the proponents of this bill say that we're at. They say that we have come to a point where these companies are actively stopping competition. That Not that they're just that good. Not that they're giving us products that are just so good we stick with them. But instead, they're giving us maybe the same product, maybe inferior products, and then they are actively suppressing any other option available to the consumer. And that's where I become okay with the antitrust laws. Again, I'm always leery of anyone giving government more power. We're just going to have to wait and see. You know, there's always unintended consequences to every bill, and I fear what those might be in this case, but we'll have to wait and find out. It may still, it may never get passed. You never know. It's got to make it through both the House and the Senate. They have two competing bills right now, meaning that even if both chambers passed their bills, the other would have to pass the bills as well. They may be able to bring them to a committee in between the the chambers that would be able to uh, resolve the differences, but it still has a ways to go. We'll see if that happens or not. We'll just have to wait and find out. Now, we've all seen it. We've all felt it. Over the past year and a half, our wallets have gotten hit hard by multiple, multiple increases in price. Some of those increases in price are based solely on the fact that there is more money in the economy than there was before 2020. Not that there was more market, not that the economy had grown per se to match that, but that there was more bills, dollar bills in the economy. So let me put it this way in the small ecosystem for my little brain to understand. This is where we're at. Let's deal with $100. If you have $100 in your market right now, and all of the products cost $1. If they suddenly grow and add more of those products, and they're able to grow the economy, the, the value of the economy goes up naturally, and money flows in to increase. Now we're up to $200. And the products are up to, up to 200 different products, each of them still being a dollar. But let's say to stimulate the economy that is sitting there with 100 items, each for a dollar, we're going to infuse $500 into the market. Just pour money into it. The number of products does not increase 
what the amount of money does. Well, that means that the amount of money, because there's so much more of it, each individual unit of money is worth less. So now the item that would have been a dollar is worth $6. It's still the same portion of the $600 in the market because it hasn't changed how much of it there is. The only thing that increased was the money. So this is what happens with inflation. This, that's a very, very basic understanding of it. But it's a, what, it, what happen, is happening right now is we have created a market of inflation. We've poured in trillions, not, not, not billions, not billions, not millions, not billions, trillions of dollars into the market, into the economy over the last two years. Trillions of dollars that did not get earned into the market. The market did not grow that up. So things begin to cost more because the same portion of the economy exists that these products are in. But suddenly there is a mass influx of money. You can't just keep pouring money into a market and say, well, you, you know, and just hope and pray that it stays the same value. It doesn't work that way. Economists have known this for eons. But yet that's what we did. We poured money into the market and caused mass inflation. Well, the other half of all the rising prices is rising gas prices. I know you have felt it. I have. I have a. I have a small Mini Cooper. I barely that thing sips gas. It barely uses it, and I am feeling the cost of the pump every time I fill it up. Every time. Now, granted, I have to use premium in that little turbo boosted little booger, but I still feel the cost of the price going. Up. I am paying nearly $5 a gallon for my little bitty car. It's $50 every time I fill up. And again, I want to stretch that it is a little car. I have four seats in this car. Two of them, most people refuse to sit in. That's how small my car is. I understand people with a big truck that are pulling stuff and carrying things like, you don't know what it means to be hurt at the pump. Like, I get it. I understand that you are driving a vehicle that costs you two, $300 sometimes to fill up. I get it. I understand. But I'm going to need you to understand the reason I got this car in the first place is because I already needed to save money on gas. That's the reason that I did this in the first place. So you bought a truck whether that was for pleasure, whether it was for work, whatever you bought it for, I'm glad for you. But understand that I bought a cheap, little, inexpensive gas car desperately trying to save money on gas, and I still can't do it. That's how high gas prices have gone. And 
let me read to you from Politico basically what the White House is saying about it right now. So from Politico, it says, for the past several months, a White House-led team of economic specialists has marched marked each day in the same way, with a painstaking state-by-state examination of gasoline prices and the intricate market forces pushing them relentlessly upwards. The White House's focus on gas prices is bred from two sobering political conclusions top officials have made. The first is that they have little control over the problem. The second is that as prices rise at the pump, so do Democrats' odds of a midterm wipeout. And let's face it, it's bleak for the left right now. If this keeps up, it is a very, very bleak outlook come midterm elections. Now, I continue, quote, there really isn't one silver bullet, said one person familiar with the discussions. It's a really difficult issue to massage around when you can't deny the reality. And don't get me, I remember when they denied the reality. They denied inflation. They denied gas prices going up. They denied it for months. And now they can't deny it because it's so severe. It's so bad. They can't deny it anymore. Because gas prices have risen by a dollar per gallon in just three months. That is insane. Let me, I looked at this chart from the U.S. Energy Information Administration. All right, that's, that's where this is coming from. And I need you to understand what I am looking at. Remember with COVID, how they always talked about the hockey stick graph, right? It would be exponential growth. So you would start out and it would look pretty flat, right? It'd be one cases, one case, three cases, two cases, four cases, five cases, three cases, six cases, right? And it was progressively growing slowly. But then you would hit a point where all the data would just scream through the roof, where every day was a doubling of the dust, right? It just kept going right through the roof, right? Just exponential growth. It looked like a hockey stick. I'm looking at the graph for gas prices right now. So it was a low point that we hit in March of 2016 of $2. We hit that. Now, that began to slowly tick up into July of 2017, and that gets us up to $2.39. These are the averages of the time, right? Of all, this is the average of all um, formulations, right? So it's, it's everything mixed together. This is the average of all gas prices. That continued to climb until we hit 295 a gallon across the United States, right? So that's California at $7 a gallon, right? I think it was actually five at the time. And that, you know, Tennessee or wherever down at like a dollar seven, right? I I know that in Georgia where I live, it got down to in the, you know, I think at one point uh during COVID, it actually hit down like almost 150, but we averaged 180s for a long time. Throughout the Trump administration, we averaged about 180. Then 
COVID hit and everything collapsed, the average cost of fuel for the entire country was less than $2. That's when everything collapsed because no one was buying anything. Nobody was going anywhere, right? Just It just plummeted. So at that moment, refineries were shut down. Uh, oil digging was shut down. All kinds of stuff because people were sent home. They just didn't have anything. Well, then we come into the summer of 2020 whenever many states begin to open back up and prices go back up a little bit. They get down to up to about 225. And that's where they hold until the week of the the week after the election in 2020 when they begin to steadily climb. And this I'm not talking about just a you know, they went from 225 to 235 over 3 months. I'm talking about from they went from 218 the week of the election to let's see I'll pull up I'll pull up January, which is whenever Trump or uh Biden took office. They went from two eighteen to two forty six in January. Just through the roof. And from that point forward, they jumped in by uh uh April, middle uh, middle of April, they were three dollars. By December, three forty five. By March, four forty one. And we have now hit a new peak at 472 a gallon at the end of May. That is exponential growth. It doesn't show any signs of slowing down, and yet it's still here. It's it here. Let me read the rest of Politico and we'll see what, what they have to say about how this can be fixed. So, quote, the White House has held off for months on backing a gas tax holiday. Top aides are under increasing pressure from frontline members to embrace the idea, but Biden also was vice president when Barack Obama mocked a gas tax holiday as pure political gimmickry. So this is talking about multiple things they're looking at, hopefully, maybe possibly bringing down gas prices, and one of them being a gas tax holiday, that for a period of time they're just going to take the gas tax off and hope and pray that it brings it down. The problem is that's only like 30 cents. I know in Georgia, that's already happened. We've already taken the tax off in the state of Georgia from Georgia. Then you have the federal government taking their tax off. Okay, cool. I'm still paying $4.50 instead of $5. Yay, $4.50. Woohoo. I want it back down in the twos, guys. Absent government action. And again, this I'm quoting from Blitzko. Absent government action, Biden officials have pushed private industry to help, but they've so far struggled to convince domestic oil companies to rapidly fill the gap. Now, I take exception with that reporting right there. The reason that domestic oil has not filled the gap is because they physically can't. They no longer can drill in Anwar. They have lost their leases on public land. What what leases they did have are gone. What leases people were going, able to buy are gone. All because Biden has stopped them. So yes, gas prices are going to go up if you don't allow the companies to supply the oil. How can they supply what they can't dig up? So instead, we are required to be dependent on Saudi Arabia and Russia for our oil. Do you really want to be dependent on Saudi Arabia and Russia for your oil? 
No. Now, I have a good friend that I've worked with for, for many years now. When asked why he thought we should, have, we should be dependent on other people's oil, his statement was simply this. Well, if we got to destroy somebody's environment, we should destroy somebody else's and just get the oil out of it. And fine, you can have that opinion. That is completely fair. That's a completely legitimate opinion. But here's the thing. I can't enjoy the environment if I don't survive to see it. And if I can't, if I'm having to choose between buying gasoline to get to work to hopefully pay the bill for the rent, right? If I have to choose between those two, what do I choose? I have to get to work, but I have to pay rent. I can't buy gas and rent at the same time. I don't have that much money. That's what people are looking at right now. That's the problem that people are having right now. And it would be simply and easily fixed. We've seen it be fixed by allowing people the ability to let the free market operate and drill for oil. To be able to go in and pump the oil out that we already have. We are one of the most oil-rich countries in the world. And we are desperately begging to be able to use it. And we are not allowed to. Now, we'll continue with Politico. Quote, adding to the dilemma, the administration already turned to its biggest tool in March, a record-setting release of oil from the nation's strategic reserve. Quote, what they have is a whole bunch of 10-cent policies, said Claudia Sum, a former Federal Reserve economist and member of the Obama administration's Council of Economic Advisors. Now there's a kind of defeatism, according to, according to her. Publicly, the White House has continued to blame Russia for the record gas prices. But with the war showing no signs of abating, some Democrats privately complain that the messaging is ineffective. For its part, the administration has sought recently to spotlight steps it's already taken to rein in prices. Yeah, I understand that. I get that you, you have sought to show the world what you've done and how much you have helped the gas prices. But guess what? At the same time that you have released massive amounts of strategic reserve oil into the economy to try to bring the gas prices down, you at the same time sign with a stroke of the pen and stop all other drilling. That makes no sense. Why are we dumping oil out of the reserve, which we need for emergencies, right? For whenever you physically can't drill. Why are we dumping oil out of those reserves and not allowing the companies to fill the reserve back and drill and continue to bring oil to the market for gasoline? Why is that not being allowed? I haven't heard a really good answer to that outside of the fact of people saying, well, it's bad for the environment. Cool. Okay. I'm sorry. But the green endeavor is not going to supply the energy needed for the economy yet. One day, one day we will get there. But trying to force it and shoehorn it in and make it happen now is not helping anyone. It is causing people to have a hard time. And we've got to do something to fix that. And the policies that have been brought up and have been pushed by the left aren't cutting it. 
it's time to figure out a new idea. Now, the next thing I want to talk about is a thing that has taken place in Texas. I don't know if you've paid attention at all, but it is disturbing. It's disgusting. It's there. I, I can't really describe how wrong this is. So let me just read to you what took place in Dallas, Texas. Quote, this is from Daily Wire. This is their story. Quote, a Dallas gay bar is under fire for hosting an afternoon drag show for children on Saturday. The Drag the Kids to Pride show at the Mr. Mr. Bar was billed as a family-friendly version of the bar's regular champagne drag brunch. Do you want to hit the stage with the Queens? Write a promotion for the event? Images from inside the club went viral and showed performers and children in front of a neon sign that read, and if there's kids, plug their ears. I'll give you five seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. All right. In front of these children is a neon sign that reads, it's not going to lick itself. Now, I will let you adults try to figure out what that means. Got it? Good. It's not that hard to figure out. Outside the club, protesters gathered to complain that the event was grooming children. A woman who gave her name as Daisy said, quote, I live in this community. She was holding a sign that says, stop grooming our children. She continued to say, I have lived here for several years. I don't believe that I should be seeing signs advertising for children to be dancing on stage with men in thongs and in inappropriate clothing and makeup. Although Protect Texas Kids said Dallas police removed children and families from inside the bar, police officials told WFAA that they were on hand only for crowd control. Quote, seven-year-olds tipping drag queens and hanging out in a 21-and-up bar and the Dallas police department is letting it happen. Why not enforce the law? Tweeted Alex Stein. Another tweet by Election Wizard says, what happened in Dallas today with the children at the drag show was pure evil. Now, after the event, the bar released a statement claiming that it was raising money for a local LGBTQ plus youth organization and accused protesters of being transphobic. Another Daily Wire uh, article says, parents who took the children, took little children to a Dallas gay bar's obscene drag show, quote, lost their minds a long time ago, end quote, according to Representative Dan Crenshaw, who said this on, in, on Sunday in a series of tweets. Quote, this is really deranged. The Texas Republican and former Navy SEAL tweeted, it's also proof that when you're too open-minded, your brain falls out. Clearly, these parents lost their minds a long time ago. Let me ask you, when parents want to introduce their kids to straight sex, they don't take them to a strip club or burlesque show, do they? So the question is, is this hypersexual drag show supposed to accurately represent the gay community? 
I have that question. I, I don't know if it is or not, but it seems like these people are pushing for that to be the case. Like they, they seem to be of the opinion that this is absolutely normal and should be approved of by their community and should be shown to everyone. I don't, I don't see this as a good thing. Here's, here's my philosophy for, for life. You don't show kids nudity. You don't hypersexualize kids at a bar with a bunch of guys cross-dressing as women. Here's the thing. I would say this. Don't take kids to a strip club. How about that? Let's, let's draw that line really quickly, really easily. How about we don't do that? How about we don't take kids and traumatize them by seeing things that they are not old enough to understand. This is child abuse, and these people should absolutely be taken care of by authorities. Those parents who took them there, they should absolutely be going to prison. Absolutely. The bar who put it on and allowed these children to step in to a 21 and over establishment, yeah, they should be going to jail as well. This is absolutely a concerted effort to groom these kids into thinking that it's okay, that it is okay to see nudity, partial nudity, sexualized uh, dancing while they're children. Yeah, that's not okay in any way at all. This is not what we should be allowing to happen. I want to know what in the world do you have to be thinking to think that is okay? You know what? You can be pro-trans rights. You can be pro-gay. You can be pro-LGBT, whatever. I don't care. What I care about is that these kids should not have to worry about this at these guys' ages. Because these kids, these kids in the photos are very clearly six, seven, eight years old. These are little guys. They should not be dealing with this. This is not what they were designed for. This is not what their mental capacity is, is able to deal with. They're brought up and encouraged to walk down the catwalk with the, with the drag queens. They were giving dollar bills to the drag queens like you would at a strip club. This is not okay. And to think otherwise, I would be very concerned about what you think. If you think that's okay, we have a problem. We have a very, very big problem. Now, I know that my statements might seem hyperbolic, but I don't think they are. I think this is genuinely what is happening, that these people... And I'm not saying that all people are doing this. I'm not saying that all gay people are all drag queens or what. I'm not saying that. Do not take my words out of context. I am not saying all of anybody. But what I am saying is that this group in this incident absolutely were grooming these kids. Now, you can say that, well, they don't plan to do anything to them. Fine. I'm not saying that they were. But what you are doing by hypersexualizing children at this age is you are distorting their brain. Corey Tim Boom tells a story 
of when her father was going to, I believe, Amsterdam to find out what time the clock there had. So he would then set his pocket watch by that and then come back to their clock shop and he would set all the clocks by that time. One day he was traveling and he was carrying a very large, heavy suitcase, as you would. Corey Ten Boom is pretty young. I don't remember the age, but let's say six or seven, eight, nine, ten, somewhere in the range of these kids in this uh, event. And she simply asked her dad, Dad, what is sex? And her dad stops and looks at her for a second, sets the suitcase down and says, Corey, pick that up. And she tried and she couldn't. She's like, I can't pick it up, daddy. And he said, exactly. It's too big for you. And just like the suitcase is too big for you, so is this subject. And you need to trust me to carry it a little while longer until you get big enough and strong enough to carry it yourself. There are some topics that are not suitable for children. They're not able to comprehend it. They're not able to understand it. They're not able to grasp it. And it distorts and it warps their entire reality from that point forward. This is genuinely what child predators do. They take you and they play games with you. They try to get you comfortable with the extreme. Then that you get comfortable with that and they move a little bit further and they get you comfortable with that extreme. And they keep doing it over and over and over again until finally you're comfortable enough for them to do what they want with you. And you won't complain. You won't tell anybody else. It doesn't matter how much shame you feel, how embarrassed you are, how angry you are, how hurt you are. It doesn't matter. They have gotten what they want from your child. And that's where we're at right now with this. This is absolutely an episode of grooming. And these kids will forever have to live with the weight of a burden they were not designed to carry yet. And that's not okay. Now, before I end, before I go any further, I want people to understand, I am not sitting here telling you that you're going to go out and do all these terrible things to people to make it stop. I'm not saying that. I am not calling anybody to violence. I'm not calling anybody to anything outside of the fact of a wake up and open your eyes and realize that our culture is falling apart. And we've let it do it. We have let our culture fall apart. I'm a believer. And what I am looking at is a culture where the church of God has allowed the world to determine our culture and not the other way around. We are called to be salt and light. And yet I'm not looking at a world that has very much salt or light in it. It's a pretty bland and dark place. We are not changing our environment. We are allowing our environment to change us. It's time to make a change. Because this is only going to get worse unless we do something. It's time to show the world what real love is, what real people do with their life that is not distorted, that is not perverted, and that is not overly sexualized. It's time to give people 
hope that comes from Christ. Because until that happens, they're going to be out of hope for a long, long time. All right, guys, this has been another one of those really heavy episodes. I enjoyed it. I don't know if you will or not, but I enjoyed it. I want to hear from you guys as we move forward, as we progress and we figure out what's going on. I would love to hear from you guys and what you're seeing and what you're hearing and what people are telling you as they listen to these podcasts. I want to hear from every one of you as quickly as you can, because this, it's things like this that I I can't ignore. I can't ignore it. I've got to talk about it. And again, I plan to bring back in the crazy, cool, weird, random facts, but these episodes have to happen because somebody's got to say it. Somebody has to say it. Somebody has to tell you the truth. And sometimes people don't like to hear the truth and that's fine. That's totally fine. But here, no matter what, no matter what the topic is, we're going to look for the truth. Whatever that is, we're going to look for the truth. If it's a fun little stupid little uh, thing on the side, fine. If it's a really serious topic like today, fine. We're still going to look for the truth on every episode. That is my promise to you. I may not get it right all the time, but as soon as I find that out, I will correct it. Because again, if I'm not correct... I want to be correct. I want the truth. Not my version of the truth, but the truth. Now, that's all I have for you today, guys. And I have really enjoyed having you here. I can't wait until the next episode. So until then, I guess I will see you guys later. Uh, this is Hey, this is the Zach's Fact Shack. This, this is your host, Zach. I can't wait to see you. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.